From four years playing VFL to being picked up by the Dogs in the 2004 Rookie Draft, the humble, hard-working and incredibly inspiring Dale Morris has left no stone unturned to get the most out of his body and footy career. In this intriguing chat, the Dogs Premiership star opens up on his journey, critical factors to his success and key learnings from legends of the game such as Chris Grant, Brad Johnson and Jason Ackermanis. Thank you very much for joining us. This is a conversation I've been looking forward to for a little while now. How are you? No, I'm going well. Thanks for having me, Suli. This is uh, my first podcast recording, so take it easy on me. We'll see where it goes. Have a bit of fun. We'll be we'll be gentle. <laughs> we'll be gentle. Um, it's hard to know where to start. We've played a lot of football against each other, yep. um, and you've got such an interesting story from the outside looking in. But as a rookie, mm. many many years ago, a couple of years in the Werribee list before you got your chance. Yeah, no, it, it all. I guess it all started before that back at uh, my local club, Dude Stars, in the Essendon District Footy League. And, um, you know, I was lucky enough to play for such a great club. And um, when I was uh, about 16, uh, 17, playing in the seniors, we actually had a, an ex-AFL player come down and um, Simon Mitten Connell. Uh, oh, yeah. Yeah, he, he came down and was our full forward. And me being a young fella coming through, um, they, they played me at full back the first time ever to play in the back line. I was yeah. always a centre-half forward midfielder, you know, like the showtime, bit of me, me, me. But um, no, they threw me down back to, to learn a bit to play against men, really. I was a, I was 17 and I got to do a lot of work with uh, with Simon. And and after my, after that year with um, with Duders, um, Simon said, I think, I think you've got something. Um, I've got some contacts at the Bulldogs. Um, would you be interested in going out and trying out for a rookie spot? And me being a you know seventeen year old, I jumped at the opportunity. I couldn't even believe he he asked me. Yeah. Um. And back then it was uh, come down and it, they had rookie days, and you would train with a group of other people. And and um. So yeah, I came down and had no idea what to expect. Um. I was playing against these these other guys that were. I looked at them and oh, geez, they're way more talented than I am. And and had a crack and. Yeah. Then uh, spoke to the dogs after that, and, and they said, listen, we don't know anything about you. Um, Simon's brought you in. You must have some talent. Um, would you be interested in playing for our, our VFL affiliate squad um, uh, team, Werribee? Yep. And I said, of course, you know, <laughs> tell me how to get there. <laughs> um, and, um, and yeah, from there it was um, each year. I'd, I was at Werribee for four years. Um, at the end of each year, I'd come down and, and train, do the pre-season with the dogs, and uh, and try out for the rookie spot each year. Um, each year would get you know closer and closer, but get overlooked. And and they say go away and work on a, a few things. And whether it was my skills, my execution, decision making, speed, they were really good in in keeping me in the loop on what yeah. to what to work on. And uh, and then after my fourth attempt, um, yeah, they they picked me up in the in the rookie draft. I, I'll never forget walking into Rocket's office. Um, first year he was at the club, um, so I didn't know much about him and he didn't know much about me, but the, the assistant coaches I'd spent a lot of time with, it was uh, Chris Bond, Leon Cameron, um, Alan Richardson, yep. 
they were the, the, the big three assistant coaches, I think, that really pushed my case forward. Mm-hmm. And I reckon they got me in here to begin with. So forever thankful to them. And walked into Rocket's office. I'd heard stories about Rocket. <laughs> so I was terrified to walk into his office. And um, um, yeah, he said, take a seat. <laughs> I like, oh no, what's happened? I'm thinking, geez, did I go out in the weekend or did I do anything wrong here? And he goes, listen, you've been training well, but, um, and it was all like going down the yeah. negative. And I'm like, oh no, here we go again. He goes, but um, unfortunately, we're going to pick you up as a rookie. And I said, oh, that's a, uh, are you going to pick me up? And he goes, yes, you're, you're going to be our rookie selection. And I, I didn't know what to say or what to do. I, I said, thank you. And I had this big smile on my face, ran out and had, it was one of the hardest training sessions we did. But I had a smile on my face through the whole thing, so nothing was going to break me that day. Jeez, mate, you've been smiling ever since. Yeah, um, exactly. I mean, there are some unbelievable players you know, when you first got to the club in those you know, three or four formative years training beforehand. Daunting? Oh, like yeah. seeing these guys running around, these guys trying to train for a position on the list or a rookie list. Yep. Must have been you know, nerve-wracking time. Oh, it was a, a huge uh, learning curve for me. I just played local footy. Yep. And then I rock up and, and do an AFL preseason, and see these, you know, well-conditioned, defined men running around, and I'm like, holy moly, I'm out of my depth here. Hmm. Um, I actually got to play in some um, scratch matches, some inter-club matches, and one of my favourite moments was I got to play on Chris Grant, you know, as a young, you know, kid trying to get on a rookie list. Yeah. And I remember some of the coaches just saying, just if the ball gets kicked up high, just don't be stupid. Don't run of through course. anyone. Um, which is hard when I'm trying to impress as yep. well. But I remember the ball coming up to me and Granny, and he was slightly in front of me, and I, I've got him here, I've got him covered. The ball came in, he jumped, I jumped, and I punched the ball as hard as I I hit it flush. And I thought, okay, where's the ball gone? I look, and it's just in this vice grip of Chris Grant. It didn't move. And I've gone, holy moly, I've got a lot to learn here. Yeah. But uh, it was just incredible. It was a, a great time. And like you said, some of the greats of the club, you know, those guys in Jono, Westy, um, Rowan Smith, um, you know, Granny, Das, the, the list goes on and on. And mm. I got to play footy with them as well. Um, so it was an incredible time in, in my, not just my footy career, but in my life to to actually be running around with AFL players. Did you did you have a really strong sense of self-belief that you were good enough to play at the level? Because like, going from local footy to training to, to then ultimately getting picked, did you always have a really strong sense of self-belief or was it just a matter of, okay, I'll have a go at this now, but I'll do it as well as I possibly can? I, I think it's the way that I was brought up. I've got a, an older brother, Dean, a younger brother, Jono, and everything was a competition. So everything we did, it was it was full on. Yep. You, you didn't mess around. Um, and we always tried to beat each other in, in everything. It was even to the point of getting a drink of water, who had the most water in their cup. <laughs> and we'd crack it if we weren't the ones with the most in our cup. So, you know, I guess a lot of credit has to go to them because yeah. we, we were and probably still are quite competitive. Um, and you build resilience over the years too. Um, I tried out for the call to cannons before getting, um, you know, trying it for the, for the dogs and, and uh, tried out for two years and got knocked back both times and didn't make the squad, yep. which was a real, you know, kick in the guts for me. I, I, growing up, you always, you were always told you, you play TAC cup if you want to play AFL. Yep. Um, tried out twice, would make a couple of cuts and then be the one that gets cut just before the end or a couple before the end. And, they were really tough times, really tough. I, I thought um, my career was over at a 16-year-old. Um, 
but just applied myself and it was a bit of whatever happens. Um, if the opportunities come up, I want to be ready for them. And it's funny how things work sometimes. And as a young kid, I always, you know, dreamt and, you know, the, the whole visualization, which is something that I've been massive on, didn't really know why I did it as a young fella. Yeah. But, you know, I think that is the reason why I got to where I got to. Um, and just, you know, you just give it everything you've got, whatever the opportunities come up. And my thinking was, if I don't make the AFL, but I've played VFL, um, the second best competition, mm -hmm. um, that's something I can hang my hat on. So what's the harm in giving it all I've got? See what happens yep. if, if I get into the AFL. Um, and playing in the second best comp in Australia would be something that I could, um, you know, sit down at night and, and be proud of. One of the things that really struck me in, in sort of going through your career and doing some research here was that your first year, um, you know, coming off the rookie list and playing senior football, you, you got an All-Australian jumper. That's right? Uh, I, the first year was the international rules. I got selected yeah. in the international rules. That was 2005. Yeah. Kevin Sheedy picked myself and, uh, and Lovett, um, and that was our first year. Yeah. And there was a lot of, um, I guess, negativity towards that, that how can you select two first-year players? Yeah. Um, I mean, that, that, that's a remarkable... Oh, that's a remarkable effort, having not played senior <laughs> AFL footy and then representing the country in the national rules. My head was still in the cloud year. just to play one game. And yeah. then to, I was away on holidays um, when I got the call and had this round ball delivered to where I was on holidays. And I thought, what is going on? This is, <laughs> this is unbelievable. And then you get to play with some of the, the game's elite. Um, yeah. It, yeah, incredible, incredible. Yeah. Um, to be able to have that opportunity is, is something pretty cool. Um, so chronologically, going through some of the years with your with the dogs, there's a real purple patch in 2008, 2009, 2010 as, as a footy club um, that you went really close mm, every close. year. Um, yeah, that was uh, that was both good times and and frustrating, tough times. Yeah. So I mean, three prelims, consecutive prelims, but couldn't quite get over that hurdle to to get into the grand final. Why not? A very good question. Um, uh, you know, you, you look at teams that have won recently, they talk about belief. We had just as much belief back then and probably just as talented, if not more talented, list when you go through it. Yeah. And, and I look back at, you know, those opportunities missed during that time and I think we, we really did miss out on a, a huge opportunity as a, as a team and a club. And you, you go back and look at those games and you talk about moments in football games and it was just some key moments during those times at important times that, um, you know, the opposition were able to um, get on top of us, whether it was, it could be free kicks, it could be decision-making, execution, um, you know, the old saying, kick straight, um, you know, and it wins your, wins your games and all the rest of it. That That's something that we just weren't able to do in those, in those key moments. And, um, you know, I look back at that and it, it was very, oh, it was tough, sad, disappointing times but it was also you know something that we were able to achieve together yeah. um but yeah still frustrated we couldn't get one then is there any moments in your mind that stick out that, that really sit in your guts you, oh, that, you know the, yeah. the, the what if moment or maybe something that happened off field that, that sort of translated on field in one way shape or form that just might have made a difference there's there's a huge one that sits with me now and something that still burns in my guts and it was a decision that I made
during uh, one of the prelims against Geelong. Um, I think I, I either took a mark or got a free kick and went to switch the ball to uh, to Brad Johnson. And the kick, I, I didn't mean to, it gave it a little bit of flight and Max Rook came, spoiled the ball, Geelong went forward. It, to me, it was front on contact, John, I should have got a free kick, yeah. but didn't. And then the the ball spilled, they went on, got the goal and got a run on from there and it was, it was late in the game, a really important point in the game. Yeah. But that is burnt in my memory and something that um, that I'll never forget and live down because I feel like that was such an important time in the game. And I, I feel like I let the team down right then and there and maybe even cost the prelim. As the ball goes inside the forward 50, once again, it will be repelled. Morris across the ground at Johnson. No free kick. That's going to be contentious. Lonigan, Rook, Johnson is down here. had the conversation with Jono? Have you spoken to him about it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, we spoke spoke about it pretty soon after because you roll into the next pre-season and, yep. and stuff and I'd say, oh, I should have I should have kicked that better and, and Jono's a, he's a very positive person and he was like, don't worry about it, mate. That's one moment that that didn't define the game. There were heaps of times where we just didn't take the, our chances and yeah. it, no matter what he said, it wasn't really going to help but it was, that drove me to not do that again and yep. to be ready. If that situation came up again, to um, not make that same mistake. And I think uh, what added to my frustration is I thought it was a free kick. And during that preseason, we had um, the umpires in to umpire a game mm -hmm. uh, during the preseason. And I think it was the umpire at the time. He was there. And, um, and I can't remember exactly, but he did mention that that should have been a free kick. Oh. <laughs> it's the last I thing you want to hear. And I'm like, are you kidding me? Yeah. I've been losing sleep over this moment and you're saying it was probably there. It <laughs> I I wish I could remember exactly the conversation we had, but I remember feeling so sick after that. Going, are you serious? Yeah. But it is what it is. That the game we play with an oval footy. It can bounce in any direction. You look at Milne with that you know, same situation. Yeah. It, the the game is so chaotic and so many things can change in an instant that you just need to be ready. But um, I ride all of those moments as hard as each other. It's funny how those specific moments or games can be distilled into that mm. one moment unfairly. Yeah, well, that's that's my take yeah. on that. And if you ask another player, it'll be a missed shot on goal or a, a missed tackle. Or, but for me, that was... Huge. You could probably flip it and say it was Jono's fault. He should have ran at the ball instead of just sitting there and waiting. <laughs> Why didn't he for take it? the mark? <laughs> yeah. um, there were some sort of tougher times after that for mm -hmm. the footy club. Um, went through a lot of change, um, a few more ups and downs. A lot, yeah. 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 The um, I think if you go back and the early days when I was younger, the whole visualization and and I I would lie there at night before a game and visualize playing the game and I do it during the week mm -hmm. um, and preparing both my mind and body for the upcoming match, training session, whatever it is. And visualisation, it's a funny thing. Some people hear that and they go, oh, no, nah, that's just, that's nothing. It's a myth. Um, but for for myself and for a lot of people out there, it, it actually means something. Um, and visualisation isn't thinking, okay, I want to win, win a million bucks tomorrow. I want a new boat. I want a new house. Um, 
visualization is, is using all your senses during that time to think about and putting yourself in those situations. So then you're actually living that moment at that time. I'm lying in bed. Um, so you can smell the grass, you can see the crowd, you can feel the bumps, the hits, the whatever it is that you're you're doing. Yep. Um, you actually live it in that moment. And for me, as soon as I got picked up in a rookie uh, as a as a rookie, my dream and my my vision was yep. to win a flag. Um, and that didn't change, you know. Even after the prelims, and you talk about the the tough times where we'll finish down, you know, down really low on the ladder. We lose our, our coach, our captain, our CEO at one one yeah. point. Um, we had some very dark, dark, dark days, but my vision didn't change. I didn't think, you know, when you're coming to the end, you break your leg, you know, you get injuries. I still had those those visions. Yeah, so that's all very good and well when you're on the field and you're contributing and um, things are moving forward. And, and visualization, as we know, is really powerful, but when you're stuck on your back with your leg in a cast or you've got a broken arm and you are so far away from holding the Premiership Cup, let alone actually walking and playing and training again, how do you maintain that visualisation? And is there is there a continuum whereby you visualise walking yeah. and then visualise running or is it just straight holding a cup? No, no, no. There's the process to it all. Yeah. When you're playing... Um, I came into every season thinking that we can make the finals win the flag every year. You need to think that. Otherwise, what's the point of rocking up for round one? Yep. You know, you need to think you can play finals. But, and I'm a, a quite a positive person. I look at the, the good in people, mm -hmm. the good in things, but there are some bad things that do happen. Um, and that's just, that's just life. Um, and they are the hardest moments. Uh, the important thing around that time is the network and the support around you. So, I had the, my worst injury by far is the broken leg. Yep. You know that that was horrible. Um, and I'm not lying there in the hospital bed thinking, oh no, nah, we can win the grand final here and stuff. It's yeah, everything changes. Um, you, you have I have self doubts. Um, you know, you start to you know lose trust in things. Mm -hmm. um, thinking, can I get back again? Can I play footy? Can I run? Can I walk? Can I jump? All these doubts creep into your mind where you don't know and they're the hard times and you you do hit the lowest of lows um and, and self-doubt and and pity and stuff like that and um i'm no different i i had some really dark times with the broken leg um but my my wife and my family that you know the people closest to you are the ones that you lean on the most the club was great heaps of support from the players, um, coaches, staff at the time. Yep. Um, but the ones that you really need at that time, uh, your family and, and close friends. And and that is what helps you um, process those dark times um, and help work your way through. Because without them, I, you'd be stuck there longer and then you can enter that vicious cycle of just getting worse and worse and worse and, yeah. and feeling sorry for yourself. So you, you've got this incredible um, resource because of your upbringing in terms of resilience and your setbacks and, and what you've been able to do and achieve. How do, you, how do you handle or how do you address these high draft picks that come into the club and they're now your teammates who have just had it all their own way um, on pure talent alone, haven't really had a setback, and all of a sudden they walk into a club, they want to be playing round one, 
they throw the baby out with the bathwater because it's all too hard for them. Yeah, I just and you would have seen it too, time and time again. Or they hit, uh, they don't get injured through their juniors and they come in the preseason and they have the soft tissue injuries or injuries happen. They have setbacks, and it's a really hard thing to explain to the young guys who, especially the ones that have come through and get picked up high and think they're just going to come in round one. Yep. And, and and you need to go through the, the cycle of acceptance when things do happen. And So what's the cycle of acceptance? Uh, so something bad would happen and you've got some choices to make. Yep. Um, you can get stuck in the, you know, poor me, the, the pity side of things. And you need to go into that phase because it's just natural. I do it. Everyone does it going, you know, this is crap. Um, why me? Yep. But it's being able to process that and move on pretty quick. Mm-hmm. So, okay, what do I need to do to get back to where I want to get to? So you, you sit down and, and you work out. For me, with my broken leg, it was just getting out of bed and walking again and, and setting up small goals so you can slowly get to the, where you want to get to. Yep. And then from there, it's moving forward. How am I going to move forward? What's what's the next goal? What's um, what's the next challenge? Um what could go wrong and preparing for the things that might happen to you mm-hmm. and not getting stuck in that, you know, this is crap, pity me, um, poor me, sorry. Um, so you get these kids that come through and they're, when you think about it, in the under-18s, they're at the top of the tree. Mm. You know, they, they walk up starts, they come into the AFL and they, they start down the bottom. And that can be a hard thing to transition to into an AFL club and you see a lot of kids struggle with that. So putting your arm around them and, and talking to them and understanding, I guess, why things are happening can yep. help them process what's going on. Yeah. But um, you don't want to take away their, their flair and that excitement that they do bring. So it's a really tough balance with all of that. Yeah. This this is all self-taught in terms of your outlook and being the, the cycle of acceptance and being able to package things. Or have you um, sort of outsourced, if you like, and, and seen psychologists and, and read a hell of a lot to, to get to this point? Um, it, it's something that looking back on, I just did naturally as a really? young fella. Um, yep. Don't know why. It's I guess it's how you, you're brought up and your surroundings and, and stuff like that. But I've also uh, done a little bit of research on it, on, I guess, why I do things yep. the way I do. Um, and even along the, the positive, positive mindset, um, the visualisation, you know, I didn't even know it was called visualisation. You know, I just did it i had dreams i had thoughts and yeah i didn't know it was an actual thing but you come across things along the way that justify what you're doing and you go ah that's why i'm doing it and then you dive a bit deeper and, and work it out and you can really relate to what's what's yep. happening yeah but it's not for everyone either um some people are, i'm a very positive person there's other people that aren't so positive and yeah. that's just their makeup but um yeah we can all learn a little bit from each other yeah so along that journey 2015, 2016. Remarkable. Crazy. In so many different ways. Um, Unbelievable time. Let's start with how. (laughs) That's a very good question. Uh, You were talking about all these things that you can't really measure, the positive mindset, visualisation, and the rest of it. But the biggest thing to come out of, you know, we lose our coach, captain, CEO, um, feels like the club's spinning out of control. We don't know what's going and, on. And it looked like it too from the yeah, outside. 100%. You're sort of scratching your head and saying, what the hell is happening at Whitnoble? Yeah, exactly. Where are the dogs at? Why Why is this happening? Are they going to be able to pull through and survive? Um, and then the club made some very strong and 
some great decisions on the key pillars of the club. You know, starting with, with Bevo as, as the coach. What were the key pillars? Well, you've got your, your coach, obviously, yep. who's a, is a massive pillar in the organisation. Mm-hmm. You've got your CEO and your president. The president, you know, we know what he's done in the past. He's, a, he's an amazing person, what he's done for this club. So he's the right guy right there. Yep. They appoint a new CEO, which is we don't have any say in. We rely and um, trust that they're going to make the correct decisions for that. Yep. And then the coach as well um, is a huge decision for, for any club. Um, and we get Luke Beveridge come in, who we've heard bits and pieces about, but not, not a heap. Yeah, so d- did you get lucky with the coach? Because it was the first time senior coach. I mean, and well, he had a job at the Saints at that time too. Well, exactly. Yeah. Um, remarkable record, Bevo, as an assistant mm. coach and as a senior coach during the amateurs. Um, but first time senior coach mm. at the AFL. I, I don't. I think you make your own luck, and we had a, a, a the great board at the time that made that decision, and they would have done so much research, so much digging to yep. find the right guy for this group. So you need to understand the group, so the coach and the group can you know relate and and be able to um, get along. Mm. And the other key pillar is is the skipper, the captain. Yep. You know the, who the guys are going to fall behind and and support and help and trust, and and Murph steps in as a skipper and at that time was a perfect choice. You know, voted in by the playing group. Yeah. Um, has that real empathy for the players, that real um, connection with all of the players. And so those key pillars were decided and it was just, it was perfect. Um, and the thing that you were saying, I was saying that you can't measure, along with that and the, from the first meeting with Bevo at the club, there was this sense of belief and trust that, hang on, I think we're all right. You know, Bevo's come in, he's steadied the ship, he's got Murph on his side um, helping him um, lead the group and the guys are like, hang on, I, this this feels right. And yeah. you start pre-season, the messaging starts coming from the coach, the boys are relating not only to the messaging but to him strongly and, and the skipper and, and everything and it just built from there and that, that first game um, under Bevo in the in the um, pre-season um, game was against Collingwood I think and so we came out the, the big unknown <laughs> yeah. how is this new game plan and structure going to work under the new coach and it's a new team essentially and we came out there and it, we played well and won really well and we finished that and looked at it and gone jeez this actually works <laughs> what is it? you know well, this is yeah. alright I think we're going to be okay yeah. And then from there, it just built more and more, and it just kept on rolling, kept on rolling to, to 2016, which was incredible. So, ironically, Murph had been overlooked as the captain, or hadn't been considered maybe as, as a captain previously. Um, the board instills Bevo as the coach. Everything's lining up. Is there an element of luck to it all? Uh, like I said before, there there is luck in a lot of things, you know, and <laughs> the lack of luck in others, you know. And I'm a, a prime example of that with breaking my leg, breaking my arm. Um, I, I, I have seen the incidents, you know, I'd watched them once or twice yeah. after it's happened just to see what actually happened. And you look at them and say, if I am half a centimetre in any other direction, that doesn't happen. So there is a bit of, it's unlucky that it actually happens. Yeah. And same thing with decisions that are made. There would have been, with Bevo being coached, there would have been other candidates that were um, super close to getting mm. um, brought in. But 
they make this decision, yeah. um, some things are meant to be. Um, so everything's fallen into place, particularly the second half of 2016. Mm-hmm. And again, the meteoric rise continues. And the last two months of football, probably last month in particular, for the Bulldogs is, is probably like nothing we haven't seen before. Yeah, in well, terms of that that patch. Yeah, oh, I I haven't seen anything like it before. I haven't been a part of anything like that before. It was an incredible month of footy, and during the season we were I, we weren't as consistent as yeah. we'd like to be. We dropped some games we shouldn't have dropped. Won some games really well, and we were searching for that consistency. And um, you know, we finished seventh for probably for a reason, a good reason, because we weren't we weren't the best team um, for the home and away season. Um, but we knew our best footy could match it with the best teams in the competition. Mm. So we come into the finals and we lost our last game to Frio over there, um, you know, in the last game of yep. the year. And they smashed us. And we were coming back there in two weeks to play, you'd say, a better team in West Coast because they finished higher on the ladder and, and all the rest of it. So we were up against it. We had, we had our challenges, we had injuries and, and everything going on. but that belief in in each other and our belief in in the coach and everything that we stand for really shone through so the dynamic that you had then was unbelievable right the, the magic within the group the feel the touch every, all of those um, intangibles where does it go it's, it's amazing that you you look at players that um, are playing well, and they say, "Oh, he's he's got his he's confident." He's, uh, but the players that aren't playing well, he needs to find his confidence. And and what is that? You know, how do you just go and get confidence? You can't just go and grab it off the shelf and say, "Okay, I'm better <laughs> now." You know, how do you do that? And to to um, be a, a confident player, it comes down to training and and you know um, executing, and and your, that's your belief is. Um, tied in with your yeah. confidence and I think during the 2016 we had a, a great mix um, of youth and experience in the team and mm-hmm. and you lose you lose players along the way you, you get injuries and and all the rest of it which aren't excuses that's just reality that that's what happens but um, the belief is always there but you need to build on it. You can't take it for granted and say, oh, no, we'll be sweet. It's something that you need to continually work on and yeah. build each year, pre-season, season rolls on, everything. So, I mean, that's a very linear approach to it, I guess. But, I mean, you, you must sometimes scratch your head and think about that period of time and then think about the last 12 to 18 months at the Bulldogs and just and wonder, you know, how do you, how do you get that back? Whether it's just a, a series of you know, small... Um, incidental behaviours that you repeat over a period of time that then gives you that confidence. Yeah, is it is it frustrating? Oh yeah, oh yeah. We want to we want to be the best every year. You, everybody wants to be their best, and yep. they want their team to be the best. Um, and we're no different. And and coming off winning a, a flag and then having the season we did the following year was was very frustrating. Yeah. Very frustrating and disappointing. Um, but it's not one thing. Like you said, there's a whole heap of little things yeah. that it takes time to then, you know, repair all of these little things and focus on these little things because footy, it's so chaotic that if you focus on one thing, something else will pop up and yep. you can't fix it all at once. Um, but there's, uh, I mean, there's there's skill, there's behaviours, there's so many 
little things that you need to get right and get it right more often than not to be a successful team. What are what are some of those behaviours? Now, sort of putting the putting the team aspect uh, to the side for a second, and and looking at some of the horrific injuries you've had, um, and that that optimism and that uh, cycle of acceptance that you, that you talk about. How, how do you get yourself up off the deck from having the you know everything in a cast and just the entirety of your being going into being an AFL footballer to that all of a sudden just getting stripped away. Ah, oh, that not only that and your your dream and everything you want want to be and do and being an AFL footballer gets taken away. Yeah. Is really hard and then on top of that your independence gets taken away. If you're on crutches with me, I had a plaster cast up to my hip yeah. for a month. I was in a wheelchair. Um I had to get, we had to get my old man over to make it wheelchair accessible so I could get in and out of the house mm. if I needed to. My days were bed, couch, bed, and that was it. To go to the toilet, my wife, Jem, had to help me, um, which to have a shower, yeah. I couldn't do on my own. It, it was very, very frustrating um, and just you know, soul-crushing because you're, you're also... The man of the house, you know, you're the husband, you're the dad, you're, you know, your that's e taken away. Your ego is just a... Oh, it, it's crushing. Yeah. It's crushing. Um, and that's where you look forward to those little goals that you set. You know, I was stuck on the on the couch um, one day and uh, Gemma had to quickly duck to the shops and Riley was in at home at, at home with me. He was about two at the time. And, um, and on top of that, the impact of my injuries on my kids, I think, has been quite big as well but yeah. this this point in time um riley was coming into the lounge room and i there with my leg up i can't move i'm just watching tv and he trips a little bit and spills some water on on the on the rug i said oh riley mate be careful and he's looked at the water looked at me me and goes no and then just tips it out onto the carpet and i'm sitting there going what and i'm going nuts nah, going what are you doing so daddy he realized daddy's lost all his power here <laughs> yeah know? Yeah, I've, he's got the power. You are, know? You, are you you furious? Oh, like you cheeky little. Yes, I'm like, yeah, well done, but and then if just I get my hands on you. Oh, right now. yeah, and I'm trying. I can't. I'm helpless. I cannot do a thing. And he just turns his back and walks off and goes and plays with his toys and does it. And they go, yeah. oh, you little. And then, um, but then he soon found out when Daddy was mobile. Um, that stuff wasn't going to fly. Yeah, so, uh, of course. But um, yeah, it was frustrating. But you need to. You need to find the positives. In all these negatives, you know, bad stuff happens. And footy's great. There's a lot of positives in there. But these bad stuff that happens, you find the positives. Whatever that is, um, it might mean more time with your family. Yeah. It might mean, um, you know, you get to look after yourself a bit more on, on different areas of your life, um, yeah. you know, out of footy, um, whatever it is. There, there's still some positives in the worst negatives that you can think of. There's still something there that you can you can hold on to. Yeah. So footy, footy's taken away from you really briefly the future's uncertain mm. um you know you've got a young family to support H how do you how do you sort of disassociate dale morris and and the footballer like are they do they coexist are they one and the same um is there anything besides dale morris as opposed to just the footballer i think the biggest thing um that i have realized over my career is Early days, it was footy, footy, footy. Footy was my life, and I think footy was 
defining me yep. as, as a person. But then you have kids, you, you know, you get married and all the rest of it and your perspective on things changes. And I, was like, I don't want football to make me who I am. It's helping me be who I am, but it, that's not all I am. Yep. Because if that is all you are and then it is taken away from you, what do you have left? There, there's nothing. And that's where guys can really feel lost um, when their footy career finishes yep. because they think footy is, is who they are. Mm -hmm. And that's where that you can, you know, all bad stuff can happen with, you know, your mental well-being and, and stuff like that. So yeah. I realized that. I'm, I'm, I guess I'm lucky that I did because I was obsessed with footy. I still am, but I've got the balance right now. Yeah. Um, so you can get caught in that trap. But the biggest thing that I found, not only with wife and kids and the perspective your kids give you, it doesn't matter how well you played, whether you won, mm -hmm. whether you win a, a flag or you finish on the bottom of the ladder, you get home, and if you're upset <laughs> or anything, they don't care. It's like, Dad, come and play. And it's like, righto. And yeah. all that stuff you're feeling, you leave the baggage at the front door. Yeah. Your kids want you to be Dad, not Dale Morris, who just got you know six goals kicked on him by Buddy Franklin. Yeah. You know they don't care. Yeah. Or you played the best game of your career, and you're on, on cloud nine. They're like, come, we go on the trampoline now. You know, and yeah. I came after winning the flag. I come home with the kids and had the medal and stuff and I sit down with them and, you know, trying to explain how important it was and I'm looking at them and this is going straight through. <laughs> and they're like, and they wait for me to finish, they're looking around, they go, right, Dad, can we go on the trampoline now? So it's, the premiership medal gets thrown on the couch yep. and you go and you're just Dad. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. Um, on top of that with life outside of footy, a big thing that I've um, realised is getting that balance of, um, that work-life balance yep. and... What I've uh, done the last probably three years is uh, I've been doing some work experience at uh, WorkSafe on our day off on a Wednesday. So I spend three or four hours in yep. with WorkSafe, learn as much as I can. Um, and then it can help with the transition outside of footy. You learn new skills, you start networking, you yep. do all that. So I think that's a big thing that our club is starting to do more and more of because then you can tailor uh, players' um, studies to what they actually think they like in the real world. So if you were to come in, we'd sit down and say, you know, what do you think you want to do outside of footy? And just say, I like the idea of marketing. So we sit down, we look at our networks, our connections at the football club, yep. hook you up with a um, you know, marketing company or whoever, and you spend a month there doing some work experience. After that month, we sit down, we review, you go, I love it, That's sweet. All your study is going to be tailored to what you love. And yeah. it's amazing when you love something, you'll give it so much more. Yeah, no doubt. Um, God, because I keep going here. Yeah. Unfortunately, we do have to... Uh, there's a, a timeline. Um, I'm going to mention some names to you. Yep. And I want you to react. Let's this is always name. dangerous. It is dangerous. <laughs> That's why I like to catch you off guard a little bit. Yep. Chris Grant. Legend. Luke Darcy. Uh, stubborn. Stubborn. Yep. Luke Beveridge. A great man. Luke Dalhouse. <laughs> He's uh, passionate. Bob Murphy. Um, oh, spiritual. That's a good one. Uh, Brad Johnson. Legend. The Bont. He will be a legend. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Peter Gordon. Uh, he's a bulldog through and through. Yeah, he bleeds it, doesn't he? Yes, he does. Um, we, we, we sort of touched on it before, but is there anything at this point in time that you could change? 
that I would change. That you would change. I would change all the injuries that I'm getting. That would be nice. Um, you, you say that though, but what you've learned from those injuries, yeah. I would imagine, like, not clutching at straws, but would you still be playing now had you not learned what you did from those injuries? Well, would I still be playing now if I didn't take the four years to get on a rookie list? You know, um, I've learned so much from the injuries and I, I, I do joke and I am half serious saying I wish I never had all these injuries, yeah. but I've, I have learned so much and they've been able to make me who I am and, and learn these lessons. So it's a bit of a, you know, catch-22. You, you don't want them, but that's finding the positives from having them. I was looking at, looking at pictures of you sort of throughout your career. Your body shape has changed a little bit too. Yeah, and that's another positive. I, I break my leg. I can focus on getting some upper body strength that I didn't have before that. Um, I break my arm. I can do a lot more leg strength and leg work um, and help with all the lower limb injuries that I've had before. And, yeah. and that's what I mean with fighting, finding those positive positives out of the negatives. Um, How important is a diet through those periods? Oh, huge, huge. Um, I was always like a lot of young footballers and, and nearly every footballer was led to believe about the, the high carb diet, load up before a game and you have to keep energy, right? Well, that's what I thought. That's what I was led to believe. And and three or four years ago, um, a mate of mine, um, Acker, Jason Ackermanis, I still catch up with him and stuff. And um, we went out to his place and um, we were talking about just footy. He's got a great footy brain. Mm -hmm. um, you know, he, he knows so much about the game. And and um, he was talking about this way of eating that he'd been doing for a long while and all the, the study and the research behind it and how it can actually benefit um, you know, a lot of uh, marathon and triathletes um, eat this way and how it can help um, AFL footballers. And, and he said, I, I reckon you should look into it. Mm -hmm. And he explained it to me and gave me some research to do. My wife was kind of eating that way. It's almost like the, the paleo diet sort of yeah. thing. And I thought, well, it all makes sense to me. Um, did all my research, my due diligence. I said, righto, let's give it a go. Yep. And cut out all the, the, the processed carbs, the, the processed foods, and, and cut everything out, all the breads, mm -hmm. all the rest of it. And um, really tough for the first three weeks. Had withdrawals, felt horrible. Mm. But got through that. Almost like an addict. Yeah, yeah. Oh, it was shocking. Headaches. Yep. Um, felt like I couldn't get up in the morning. But now it's, we get DEXA scans every, yeah. nearly every preseason. And at, I guess at my age, it's 10, it usually would drop yeah. a little bit, lean muscle mass would drop, fat would go up. So I have a high fat, high protein diet and people think, oh, you're eating a lot of fat, you're gonna get fat. It doesn't work that way. The, I've shifted my body's fuel system from relying on carbs to now using fat. And you think about, if we were to go out and go for a run, if I'm relying on my carb source for energy, you can only eat so much yep. and your body will process that. But your body has fat all over it. There's a bigger fuel tank for you to use. Did, did you have to convince the dietitian of this shift, or they, they were across it already? But you know, society suggests that you mm. know, we've got it all wrong. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Exactly. And this was a. I guess you could say this was a bit of a risk yeah. to take. But any decision that I make, anything thing that I'm going to do with my body, I do a lot of research behind it. I'll talk to the right people, and so I can make the right decision. Yep. Talking to the dietitian, they're like, "Yeah, well." You can give it a go. It was the start of pre-seasoning, so timing is important too. Yeah. And I said, if you start on this diet and it doesn't work, then just shift back. I said, beauty, we'll give it a go. And we talked about the DEXA scans. My DEXA scans have actually gone the other way. 
So lean muscle mass is still um, increasing and fat's getting yep. less. Yep. So, um, you know, throughout your career and anyone's career, you look for these little gains that you can find along the way. And this was something that I thought could work for me. Yep. And it's been it's been great. You know, the visualization works for me and, and I'm up for giving anything a go once mm-hmm. I research it. You know, I've got a magnetic bracelet to help with blood flow and, mm-hmm. and um, balance and stuff like that. And something like, ah, oh, that does nothing, but it can't hurt. Yeah. Um, do some research and give anything a go. Yeah, no, I like that. Couple more, we're running out of time. Uh, mentor, do you have a mentor? Have you had one or have periods of time? Yeah, I've had quite a few over the years and I think coming into a, a football club, you look for someone who can help you um, along the way and, and I gravitated towards Granny um, yep. and it's great having him here. He's, he's such a smart, calming influence um, for someone, you know, he's a legend of the club but he's just so humble at the same time and I learn a lot just, just by observing him and yeah. watching him. If I had uh, questions about anything, he would stop, take the time and talk to me and, and, and help me. Um, yeah. So that was that was huge. Did you choose him or did he choose you? Um, the good thing with that is it happened organically. Yep. Um, the, the, the thing that I don't think works is the forced relationships mm-hmm. with that stuff because no one's really... They're going to invest a bit in each other, but not as much as if it just happens. And yep. I gravitated towards him and I loved him as a, as a player and as a person. And so I was just always picking his brain and trying to do as much as I possibly could yep. uh, with him to learn. If I could learn just a small amount from what he's been through, mm-hmm. um, you know, it was always going to help me. And, and throughout your career and throughout your life, your different people come in that help guide you and, and help you. And Dale Nissen at, at WorkSafe, um, was massive for me yep. um, with that transitioning and, and life after footy, um, thinking about those sorts of things. And, and I still talk to him today and, and pick his brains with, with different things. So it, it's always evolving and changing and, and you're trying to learn so much from so many different people. Do you have a, do you have a, like a, a life motto or a catchphrase you sort of keep coming back to? No, I don't really have a, a life motto. Um, I just... If the if I'm going to do something, I'm going to be all in. Yep. And I'm going to give yeah, it. It's close. Yeah. Business. I'm going to give it everything I've got. Yep. Uh, leave no stone unturned. Oh, here we go. We're just reeling them off now. <laughs> this is all right. <laughs> I didn't think I did, but maybe I do. But um, you know, just giving it absolutely everything you've got because yep. if you aim for the stars and if you just go for it, like with my AFL career, and you don't quite get there for whatever reason, stuff happens. Yep. But you'll be amazed with how far you go. Yeah. You know, if I had only played VFL and played seniors in the VFL and, and I knew that I gave it absolutely everything I've got but I just didn't make the AFL, I would sit back when I'm old and grey and be content yep. and be happy with what I have done. Do you have any fears? <laughs> yeah, I certainly do. I'm, I'm no different to, to anyone. I, I have the fear of failure. Um, I don't want to let my, my teammates down. That's, the I think, the biggest thing that drives me when yep. I'm playing is I... I just don't want to let my mates down on the field. Um, you know, I, I have fears of making wrong decisions um, during the game, in life, with kids, yeah. with, you know, everything. Um, but um, I'm always learning, always learning from my mistakes. Uh, if I make a mistake, I, I want to learn from it. Yeah. I don't just sweep it under the rug. But, um, yeah, I have, I have some fears. And the last one, what what advice would you give to a young Dale Morris? <laughs> Drink more milk. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, just to 
to give it a go. Give anything a go. Give it everything you've got, um, yep. and you'll be amazed where you're going to go. I wouldn't. I wouldn't change. But uh, if I got to meet my younger self, I wouldn't give him any advice that would um, change his decision making on things that were coming up. It would just be more the behaviours of just abs- give it absolutely everything you've got, and you'll be amazed to see where it goes. Thank you very much, mate. That was a fascinating chat, and I'm uh, going to walk out of here and go and order myself a big plate of chicken <laughs> and avocado and throw, out, and throw out the bread. <laughs> yep. Dale Morris, thank you very much. Fascinating chat. No worries. Thank you. Thanks for having me. We're talking footy.